Oh, sorry, I was going to my breath. Yeah, sorry, yeah, take, take it easy. I asked easy. someone where it was, and he basically said, "Oh, yeah, I think I know where that is," and took no. me completely the wrong place. I know. Everybody is so determined to be helpful yeah. that they prioritise helpfulness over accuracy. Yes. This is NRF, baby. Hey, it's live. It's live. Well, you said it. It's NRF, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we are in. Uh, I normally say the podcast studio, but we're actually in a booth, aren't we? I would, a booth. booth is stretching as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Ian, the uh, editor of Internet Retailing. I'm Jamie Merrick from Salesforce. And we have Mike with us from Foot Asylum. Mike, oh. welcome. Thank you. Now, in case anyone doesn't know about Foot Asylum, yep. and they think it's where troubled feet go for help and support, <laughs> uh, tell us a bit about Foot Asylum and then about your role so everyone knows who you are. Okay, so Foot Asylum, we've got over 60 stores, uh, all in the UK. Yeah. We're a multi-brand retailer, and we've got a really strong own brand offering that sort of supports that as well. So we've got some really strong brand partners, and uh, we'd spend a lot of energy and time sort of curating some really cool sort of clothing ourselves that resonates really well and helps us target our consumers. I'd say our customers, sort of the core customers, are sort of from teens to sort of mid twenties, but we do sort of cover sort of wider than that. But that'd be our main. Well, focus. including uh, the dad bods and what? the uh, revivalists. I'm yeah. not taking step. You, uh, no, it wouldn't be a good look for the for the brand for okay. me to go in there. So, so when we go in there, assume we're buying for our grandkids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so who are these people then? Because we are, of course, in New York, yep. uh, along with Tokyo sneaker heaven, mm -hmm. but London's you know quite a sort of expert, snobby sneaker culture yeah. as well. So where do you fit in on the scale of, you know, plimsolls for the people with, you know, flat feet through to the 3,000, 4,000 drops? Where are you on that spectrum? Well, I think for us as a business, we've got sort of two sides, if you like. So you've got the foot arm side, which is sort of um, concentrating that core youth Key brands, Nike, Adidas, we have on running, all sorts of different things. New Balance has been phenomenal. A lot of different brands around there. Yeah. And actually more, I'd say more everyday sort of sneakers or trainers. We're saying we're in the US, yes. so we should say sneakers. Sneakers, we should. Um, but then we've got Seven Store, which is sort of standalone. It's got its own website. We'll be dropping an app actually for it uh, as well next week. Dropping, um, you see, we're with the kids there now. There we go, oh, you see. Steady, steady, <laughs> steady. And, um, that's more specialist, so it's the higher end sort of, not so much sort of, um, uh, high-end brand as such it's more the harder to get um, sort of footwear uh, yeah. and apparel and that's more sort of the more premium offering it's really sort of carefully uh, curated collections that are done by our buying team who sort of live and breathe that consumer with those higher-end things mm -hmm. you say our buying team this isn't normal though it's not like you ring up and say could I have 70 boxes of no. it's as if the brands are interviewing you to see whether you're worthy of even touching the sneaker on the way to the thing. So yeah. give a little bit of an insight into how you become a place that is trusted by these brands to even touch their product. Yeah. Is that the opposite of normal retail? I think it's across the whole of it though. It's not just sort of the, the, the premium or the, or the sort of more curated side of things. I think that what we have to make sure is that we're doing doing justice to those brands as well as ourselves, and it all works together. It's making sure that we pull the collection together properly. It's mm -hmm. the right collection of brands for those consumers. And it sort of, we know the sweet spot. Our buying team, like I said, they live and breathe it from both sides of the business. And it, if you actually look at the buying teams, they look different. They actually sort of live <laughs> and, really? um, and they have different areas sort of in the building where, where they sit. And they sort of, they know the products and they know that consumer inside out. 
I would say, certainly if I'm going to say where Seven sits, that is one store in Liverpool. It's in the Baltic Triangle, so it's not in the main shopping area. It's sort of a real up-and-coming area. I kind of say it's almost like a, a like a mini Shoreditch, if you like, the yeah. way it's done, a lot of start-ups, um, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. And the, that team are so embedded in that community. It's, they do some real uh, good work, and it's not just a, a retail space. Um, they'll have local artists will display their um, uh, paintings uh, in there. We do a lot in that community, and they're really so uh, in touch with local businesses, local consumers, and it's very different than sort of your more mainstream, if you like. So how would you balance that there? So where I stay in New York is down in the Bowery, and it's just opposite the Supreme Shop. Okay. And so some days I'll wake up, look out of the window, and there's no one there, and other days, there's a queue around the block. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, last time I was here, I just wandered up and said to the guys at the front, I said, look, I'm not jumping the queue. Can you just explain, please, why you've been queuing since I got up this morning? And they had that, like... Are they oh, waiting for you? No, they had this, like, oh, right, thank sorry. you. <laughs> they had this, like, oh, poor old guy, let's explain to him <laughs> what's what. And it, it's, it's one of those things you talk about the community. You know, how do they even know it's there? Uh, how do you become a member of the community? That, that sort of sneakerhead uh, thing is incredibly difficult. Mm. It's like surfing, trying to stay on that wave. So how do you take that level of aching coolness with a relatively small group and then also have Foot Asylum, which is still quite cool, yep. for a much, much bigger demographic. The key bit for us is it's operated completely separately in terms of the teams. <laughs> okay. You can't do it with the same teams. Your brain would explode. Yeah, um, and it has to be done massively differently no matter what you do. So that's the way you'd actually select your ranges, the way you'd actually even display the gear. It's very curated the way it's displayed in the Seven store as opposed to the Foot Asylum store, so just totally different. We don't have the same teams working on them from a digital marketing perspective whilst wow. they still feed into what the main team. We've got their own little team because it's more, if you look at the website and the way we do it, it's more content-based, it's more article-based. It's sort of really considered purchasing, really considered consumers, and probably a, a deeper educated consumer in that arena because they sort of, again, our team are basically our consumer, so they just flow it through. Yeah. I think you have to sort of turn and face that consumer and you have to really look at what is our purpose, and that's exactly where Nike are, it's the way we try and position ourselves of understanding consumer, put yourself in their space rather than expect them to come into yours, and what is your purpose? I think we serve very different purposes across Seven and Foot Asylum, but from the Foot Asylum thing, I think we sort of really pride ourselves in being sort of um, entertainers rather than just retailers, and that's really important for us. Mm. I think um, we've got a really, really talented marketing team, and I'm gonna try and take credit for this, sort of Howard and his team, the we cut this bit out, so it, <laughs> yeah, so it yeah. sounds like you're taking credit. Oh, for yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. But um, I'm going to lose some yeah. friends. Howard, dear, uh, let's Howard. not talk about Howard. <laughs> but Howard and his team have done an amazing job. If you look at where we are on YouTube, it's phenomenal the sort of work that we do in terms of connecting with that consumer. We're using really strong influencers, but it's not about us heavily loading products into everything, sell, sell, sell. It's just about entertaining. And that for us is sort of really key. So I love what you're saying. And there's a little voice to me that goes, but. Uh -huh. So we've talked about your talented staff are the consumer. Mm -hmm. You entertain them, you're going to the consumer. Mm -hmm. You're putting all this effort into entertaining rather than selling. And I'm thinking, there must be your board saying, yeah, we love all that, but also you double in size while you're at it. So isn't there a tension between this amount of 
love, care and focus, mm -hmm. and then the maximum size of the market? There is, and you've got to be really careful, it's a fine balance. We're not there just to entertain, we're a business, we're a retailer, we've got to sell. But for us, part of sort of the, the entertainment side and what's, what's actually going on is that it gives us that authenticity. And I just think that for us, it's really important that you keep that balance. We are there to sell, but we're also wanting to sort of really sort of do something a little bit different. I think some of the things that we're about to sort of, while we have done or are about to do, is threading those two things really close together. So if we're creating this great content, it's making sure that we're putting it in the right places. The app is a massive focus for us at this moment in time. So we've sorted out the sort of shopping journeys and stuff, but if you've given us the privilege to be on that real estate and on that screen, we've got to sort of live up to that and pay something back. Mm. So at the moment, we've done, we've dipped into there. We're really, this year is about focusing, really driving that up and pushing. So an example of something we did, we did a locked in series. We took a load of influencers, very, very different characters, put them in a house and ultimately see how they got on, set them tasked, did all sorts of different things. And it really sort of helps them. It helps sort of elevate. Some of the feedback that we got was unreal. We did a fake eviction of one of the really popular members of the, the, the cat or the, the team that was in there. And, and they knew or you were just picking on them? Um, Oh well, it was the bit where we did it just for, for just to do something different, if you like. I don't wow. think they knew at the time. Our customer service sort of contact points blew up. And that, for me, just shows how engaged that consumer is and really sort of into it. So, yeah, it probably didn't do um, our colleague much favours who's got to look after that. But that sort of level, if you're actually doing that, shows how engaged those, those consumers are in that channel. And mm. it's the Foot Asylum channel, but it's, it really, really sort of resonates. It sounds like a very innovative idea, that what you, what you did, that bit of content. You have to continually evolve and do new stuff the whole time. I think it keeps things fresh and exciting, the truth be known. And, and keeping things moving on. And some things that work well, well, we may, Howard's team may do a series that goes on for a while. They may move it on. They're always evolving and we're evolving the talent that comes through. And what happens is off, off the back of some of the locked in shows, for example, they then become sort of brand ambassadors for us and they help us God. sort of move forward. So it's a great platform for us as a business, the influencers themselves and that consumer to all mm. sort of join together. Now, luckily this is recorded with no video, so no one knows what we actually look like. <laughs> but the regular listener will know that neither Jamie nor I are in that youthful demographic any longer. Is that oh, fair? That's a cruel but true Cruel but fair. So, one of the things I've noticed with my kids is they've gone from their Depop to their StockX to their 500 ways to tell a fake something or other, mm -hmm. fractional buying of expensive trainers. But as they've gotten older, I think, I don't want to overstate it, but I think they are less trainer obsessed than they used to be. So when you look at your consumer, mm -hmm. uh, do you find that as the longer you stay in business, that you're having to either keep recruiting fresh meat or are you sticking with those ones who've been with you and getting older gently? I mean, there are a number of businesses that have been defined by their younger customer category mm -hmm. who are themselves are having growing pains. So are you yet at bunions and comfy feet or are you still, you know, cutting new ground that we won't understand? Yeah, I, I think I think it's really interesting. <laughs> Nike bunion race. Can't believe you said Come bunion on. twice now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm off. It's <laughs> very wise. So that's the end of brand value. Yeah, that's it, we're done. Um, no, no, I, th I think for us, 
because of the market and because of the sort of the, the, the job market, I think people naturally evolve or naturally move on. And we do keep that sort of freshness. We have our own studio, so we create all our own content. And I think that that flow, um, people bouncing off each other, I think that I'm not going to be dictating it because it's not me. And I think that the important bit is you're actually listening to the teams and keeping it fresh. But if you look at where we start with our buying process, it's feet on the ground. So our buyers are always out and about. They're always at events, they're always at uh, festivals. They, they are jumping on a plane to Ibiza, which is, I can't get there, but uh, they're in Ibiza, <laughs> they go to different places, but... You're in Rochdale, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Rochdale. Um, well, it's but, the Riviera of the North. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, they're staying really close to that consumer and the spotting up and coming trends. And for us, we have that nice blend, as I mentioned before, of multi-brands that we buy in, but also yeah. our own brand. So we can sort of really sort of get that nice blend that if we see gaps, we can actually fill them if we feel that they're not there and it's a trend that's up and coming. And with your own range, mm -hmm. you mentioned the filling gaps. Are you trying to you know, become a brand? Is this the idea that uh, you know, it'll rank alongside the global big brands or is it literally just to absorb yeah. the, the yeah. in-between stuff? I think every brand we create and we have many brands that people probably would just resonate as it's a true brand yeah. has a different job and a different purpose yeah. and it's not just we'll stick a different badge on something they all actually have a different job to do uh, a different consumer or a different consumer need to sort of serve and i think that's really important and the buying teams work tirelessly on that we have our own creative team design uh, team who actually are designing that product and it's so interesting how they work so hard and work together mm -hmm. that make I'll be honest, my life a lot easier to, to sell the gear. So, but for us, we need to make sure we, we do it in the right way. Yeah. And again, those brands have to have some form of authenticity. Uh, some of the brands actually have their own DTC websites. So they have their own sites. So we've got the Fortsalem website, the Seven website, and we've got three DTC. Yeah. Um, but it's really important that we don't try and sort of go too fast with them either. So each brand's very, very carefully considered. It's, it's seeded, it's built up, mm -hmm. and then it goes into the market and we try and sort of evolve those brands. and kind of keep keep coming with new ideas, new brands, so give us a point of difference, really. Um, Mike, this all sounds rather idyllic. You know, motivated team, engaging with the consumer. Mm -hmm. It's very motivating. So when you get back to Blighty mm -hmm. and you land in Rochdale and think, right, roll my sleeves up, what, uh, what exciting projects have you got top of your to-do list you can't wait to get stuck into? Well, for us, I think the key bit it really will be, so we're constantly, with the website itself, we're constantly innovating, constantly evolving, and it's all about testing, learning. If it doesn't work, stop, change. And, and so that bit, I think, is just something that we'll be doing constantly. Mm -hmm. The app bit for me is massively important. I think it's the glue between the online and the offline. Yeah. Um, we have a loyalty scheme, we're rebranding that, we're going to relaunch it. It's got to be more about that consumer of what's in it for me. Um, we can't just expect consumers just to be there for us, so we need to give them something back. So we're going to be doing that, relaunching that. And it's that plugging that entertainment uh, into the app is important for me. So, as I say, we did in-app voting um, really? across the locked-in. So uh, Elon Musk style. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, honestly, it was such an eye-opener, really, for us of, of doing that. And we made a point of making sure it's only an app play. It's a big obsession for us, so the app will be a big one. And 
the other side of it, we'll be looking at sort of, obviously there's a lot of work going on outside of sort of my day job of making sure that the retail stores and everything's sort of really in a good place. Um, we just recently launched a couple of uh, women's stores. They're right next to the Futsam stores that are really interesting that give us a different angle to talk to the, the, the female consumers. But from a, a sort of technology bit, I think building that roadmap out, getting the Omni journey absolutely spot on, because I think we've got enough work to do in that area as well. They're going to be sort of big things for the next 12 months. Yeah. We've all got real ambition. We all want to grow. We all want to improve. And I think that that gives us that sort of groundwork, if you like, that's really going to help us kick on now. So yeah. it's exciting times for me. So are you going to be looking outside of the UK, do you think? Is it, uh, or have you got a lot on your plate? I think we've got lots on our plate, but I think everything's up for discussion, um, as you would always expect with new ownership. And yeah. it's early days, and we're all looking at roadmaps, and we're all chatting about projects and where we're going to go. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens in that area. Exciting. Well, look, that's uh, a good moment on which to leave it then, on that yeah. sort of forward-looking bit. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for stopping by the booth. No worries. Cheers, guys. Oh, we're done. It's a wrap. It's all right. You can join the One Take Wonder Club now. Oh, wow.